Hello and welcome back to Mind the Gap, the video game podcast where we bring you the latest news, reviews, discuss with you what's good, what's bad, and what happens when we look back. Who knows? Let's find out together as we digest what is hiding in that space between the gaming train and the consumer platforms on Mind the Gap. But before we get started, a reminder that you can subscribe to this show wherever you're listening and find Mind the Gap on all social media platforms. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can find all the show notes of today's episode over at after12media.com. That is A-F-T-E-R-1-2-media.com. Just in case you couldn't spell. And if you can rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show, it really does help us out to reach more enthusiastic gamers like yourself. And then you really would be a legend in our books. And that's what counts. My name is Paul Miller. And with me, as always, is my trusted co-host, Stephen Perry. How are you doing today, Steve? Are you all right? I'm very good. Thanks, Paul. Feeling good. I am feeling very chipper, very chipper. Love, love gaming these days. It has been just this, these days. Well, it has definitely been a saving grace, I would say, for me. I know we've obviously been on a on a long hiatus with Mind the Gap and in yeah, that sort of interim we have. And in that in that interim gaming, I've sort of fallen back in love with it, especially just before Christmas. I upgraded my PlayStation 4 to a Pro. And then luckily we both managed to get ourselves for PS5s. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> gaming has been, let's say, a very big part of um just keeping myself sane, let's say. And when we say that, that is us just telling you that me and Stephen have been sweating out walls on like there is no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have. But to, to kick us off and before we before we really delve deep into the into the episode, obviously, wanna kick off with our console conundrum. So <gasps> what is that, Stephen? Well, our console conundrum, Paul, obviously, is we've got a massive library of games. You can actually now fit more games on your hard drive. I can indeed. And I know that I have a massive, massive like this this is this is a problem. It's definitely it has to be a medical problem. It needs to be diagnosed. <laughs> I need to go see a doctor. But I, I I go to play a game and then find about seven other games that I go, ooh, I kinda want that game. And then I'll go <laughs> to the PlayStation store and I'll buy a game. But then it'll just sit in my library for ages and I'll be meaning to play it, then I'll be meaning to play it, and I'll be meaning to play it. So the console conundrum is what game did I decide to play or did we decide to play this week and why? And what did we think about it? Did we love it? Did we hate it? Who knows? So what what have you been playing this week, Paul? I've had a bit of a funny week, right? I, I like funny. I, I, it's, a, it's a bit of a strange one. So I went in a bit of a mood. <laughs> I, I wonder why. I, I went in a bit of a mood with Warzone because they changed up Rebirth Island from 40 players to 100 players. I just want to put it there. Activision, there is no need to do that. Please stop. Um, now, that was the mood. So... I fell out with Call of Duty and I was like, right, I really want to you know, play something else. What what can I rely on? What games can I rely on to cheer me up and get me through? And instead of you know venturing out and playing a new game, I thought to myself, what games can I now download and onto my extended storage that I love playing that's just going to be guaranteed you know, fun and chilled out for me? So the first one I tried was Fortnite. And don't get me wrong, uh, old favourite. I loved Fortnite and I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And the games that I did play, yeah, had great fun. But, you know, after a few games of Fortnite these days, you're kind of like, well, I've done it now. So I'm a bit bored. I wanted a game 
that I could really just sit for hours if I wanted and not get bored. And that game for me had to be Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. I went way back to the OG COD and I fell in love with the series again. And I actually feel brave enough to to maybe go back to Warzone. So that's been my week. Um, and I just want to quickly drop out there that I platinumed Astro's Playroom. You should have you led with that. You should have led with Astro's yeah, Playroom. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't want to. Didn't want to come in and go. Yeah, you know, I plot this game. You know, so uh. <laughs> every, every, everybody loves a platinum. As, as you know, I've been on a a platinum spree. Yes, um, you have. It recently. was actually you who inspired me to platinum that game. It's actually my first platinum as well. So there you go. Oh, congratulations, mate! You have to start somewhere. Eh? A, a, a journey of a thousand steps. Start. Uh, that is wait, it. Wait a minute. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Um, a jump of a thousand steps does also start with a single step, but it just doesn't sound as good. <laughs> Works either way, but I can only achieve a thousand steps in the way I'm doing a thousand miles. Oh, there is that. Um, Phil, f- for me this week, I have actually, you know, I, I, I need I need to platinum um, South Park, the Fractured Butthole, but the one platinum that I still need to do is I need to play as a black character and play on Mastermind difficulty. Now, I didn't make this choice, so if that like offends you or whatever, then take it up with uh, with with Ubisoft and the guys who make South Park, and good luck with that. I don't think you'd get very far. But uh, so that's the last one. But that that means I need to play through the entire game again, and it's just such a grind. So that's, I've actually that's hard, mate. It's, it's 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 just a bit of annoying. So what I've actually been doing is I've been remote playing that game, um, through my, BA, my, my through my Vita when I'm actually just chilling in my bed. Mm-hmm. But the other game that I've decided to pick up this week um, is the Telltale series, um, uh, Tales of the Borderlands. Um, and again, it's just another easy platinum. If you complete the game, you get a platinum. Um, and the Telltale games are always really good fun, really good stories. So that's what I've been playing this week. I've not got too far into it yet to actually really um, delve deep into the actual story. But so far, so far, many people have died, as you'd expect for a Borderlands game. And the characters are absolutely batshit crazy. So. It's really fun. It is really fun, um, but that's that. That's pretty much all I've really been playing this week. Obviously, um, I mean Warzone's a staple for you know sort of past times, but um, in terms of actual games that I've probably delved into that are, that are new and I'll probably continue playing, definitely um, Tales from the Borderlands and hopefully South Park will get finished within the next week or so because it's just starting to become a bit of a grind. There's nothing worse like when you you set out to challenge yourself to get like you know in your case a platinum. And you think that's a game I really enjoy because I, I I know you love South Park games as well, and like I could see that getting really tedious. It, it does, it does. It's, I think I think it's just the way that the game is sort of set up, you know, and um, you know it's it's turn based combat things like that. But there's quite a lot of like when you play it around the second time, it's not as fun because all like the the, the battles at the start of the game, uh, you expect them, but you can't you ha- you kind of have to do them, and they're just kind of like tedious. Um, I suppose playing it on Mastermind difficulty is a little bit better, but it's just just one of those things. I wish that they didn't force you to play the game like twice just to get the platinum. It does seem like a bit of a pain, but hey ho, you know it, it is what it is. And the thing that's really annoying is even if you did play the game as a black character first time round, you cannot get the platinum oh, in really? one sitting. No, because you need to battle Morgan Freeman, and Morgan Freeman refuses to fight a black character. So either way, you have that's to such play a through. Mate, it is, it's really rough. I feel sorry for anyone who played through as a black character first time round, but not on Mastermind difficulty, because then they need to do it again and then play as a white character. And it's just it's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. So that's um, like three times potentially for some people. De- definitely potentially for some people, yes. To, to, in order to get the, the Morgan Freeman um, 
uh, trophy because you would need to level your character up to a point because he is a ridiculously tough battle. I mean, like, it's like over the top tough. Like he freemans, like that's just that's like his move. He freemans your uh, your your teammates and just basically turns them on his side. But um, but anyway, so so yeah, you would have to play. You have to regardless play the game through twice in order to get the platinum. So I will report back. Hopefully next week I will have the platinum. And if not, it's because I've gave up on life. Um. So <laughs> so yeah. Well, good luck to you, mate. Good luck to you. I've got Cheers. every faith that you'll be able to do it. I really, really, really do appreciate that. So of course, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough of our console conundrum of what what we've been playing this week. And uh, before we kick off with the news, actually, we have something nice and fresh for you. This is Fair Mouson du Paul. So, in case, like me, you had no idea what that meant, it's Fun Facts with Paul. Listen, we're keeping this section in. It's not going anywhere. So, as always, we've got two fun facts. And this time, we've got gaming fun facts. I've got one sort of semi-normal one that I think is very interesting and we've got a bizarre one so let's kick us off with the normal one as of 2020 there are more gamers than ever in fact an estimated 2.7 billion people played games in 2020 alone this increase is obviously due to the global pandemic a wide supply and an ever-growing demand and not to mention the next generation of consoles so it's safe to say that this year, past year alone, has spawned an entirely new generation of gamers. So moving on to the second fun fact. So moving on to our second fact. So back in the 90s and even the early 2000s, it wasn't uncommon to hear a clink on the side of a ceramic cereal bowl as you pour your favourite morning breakfast. And that's when you know you've got yourself a toy. Do you remember that, Stephen? I do indeed remember that. The wee, the wee mini lightsabers were always my favourite. Yeah, or oh, the Cocoa Pops monkey toys. I've actually still got a Cocoa Pops monkey spoon. The spoons, the spoons, I had a Jimmy Neutron spoon and it was the best thing ever. Do you remember the colour changing ones when you put them in milk? I do indeed. They were also very fun. <laughs> well, back in the 90s, specifically the year you were born, 1996. Yes, best year ever. There was actually... A promotion as part of the, the Czech cereal, and it was actually the first cereal to include a video game as a cereal box prize. So this was like a full game, it was based on the Doom game engine, and it was a, a non-violent first-person shooter, and you would get that as part of your cereal. So could you imagine back then how buzzing you would be? I think the, the most interesting thing about that fun fact is a non-violent first-person shooter. <laughs> it actually says I'm not going to lie here in my notes it says it's a non-violent first person shooter I think the reason it was written that way in the, the site that I researched it was um, it's based on it basically says it's based on the Doom game engine and then it went it's non-violent first person shooter so I think they've basically just put non-violent in there as if to say it's not as bad as Doom <laughs> do you know what that makes a little bit more sense because yeah, that didn't make any sense before. But let's hope they didn't just do that just so they could sell their <laughs> games to kids. Yeah, I mean, that was probably a thing for the parents, to be fair. They were like, we'll chuck non-violent on it. It'll be fine. Okay, and moving on to the news this week, and news item number one, kicking off with some PlayStation news. And we have a lot to go over here. There was a lot of updates, obviously, at the start of the month. But let's start off with Sony's Play at Home initiative. 
and it has given us all another reason to stay away from the outdoors, away from the sun. We're probably all going to get rickets. Lack of vitamin D is definitely on the cards for us, so make sure you get those vitamins in, in, in early because Ratchet & Clank 2016 is now available on the PlayStation Store for free. Now, this is just the full game, not PS Plus, just the game is there for free. Absolutely fantastic from Sony. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they've done this as, as, a, as a bit of a, you know, it's a really good market employee. It's really good we've got a free game. But Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, is coming out in the summer. So it's definitely to get us all warmed up for that one. That's not suspicious at not all. suspicious in the slightest. Well played, Sony. Well played. And moving on to the PS Plus collection has been updated and March games that you can obviously download now if you're a PS Plus member. For PS4, you get Farpoint, which is a VR first-person shooter game. Super fun to play with friends. Final Fantasy VII Remake. No, this does not include the PS5 upgrade that we just seen. And that would cost you an extra £15 to get the PS5 upgrade with all the new graphics and all that for shizzle. And Remnant from the Ashes. And on PlayStation 5, you have a new puzzle game called Maquette. And Destruction All-Stars remains for a little while longer, and we know that when it drops off of PS Plus, it's going to be £20, not £70, I think because people realised that they weren't actually going to pay £70 for that. Um, but Paul, what are, what are your thoughts on um, on this month's PS Plus games? you think you're going to t- take a stab at any of them? I've actually I've added them out of my library, because I, I do every month anyway, uh, just in case something becomes meta. I, I'm quite interested in Maquette. I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, have you had any any experience? Have you played it yet? Because I know I know that you are more likely to delve into a game quicker than I am. Have you have you played that at all? I mean, t- typically I would jump into it pretty much straight away, but because I've because I have so many other games on the go at the moment, it's it's on it's, it's on a list. It's on the list of games that need to be played. And um, but games that I have played, like I've obviously I've, I've played Final Fantasy before, and I've I've basically nearly platinumed Farpoint. Um, the VR game that's out. And I can tell you right now, of all the games that's there, Farpoint is one. If you have a PlayStation VR, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you get that game played if you haven't already. But if you're thinking about getting a VR, there's plenty on the cheap for secondhand in the market. It's definitely a game worth playing. I think I think like this one's, to be fair, though, like there's not really loads that I would say that I would really partake in. Like I said, like Maquette with it being like sort of like puzzle game type thing. That that's it sounds quite interesting. Uh Farpoint, I don't have a VR. Uh Final Fantasy, I've never really been a fan of. Destruction All Stars, I had the option last month, added it to my library, and I forgot it existed. And Remnant from the Ashes, I couldn't even tell you what it is. So I think this month, when there's been some banging months prior to this, I think the standout thing is not the free-to-play PS Plus games. It's actually the fact that Ratchet & Clank is free. That is a game I will definitely, definitely be playing. But let's compare that to Xbox and see if Xbox does any better on this front. So, Games for Gold this month, we have the infamous Warface Breakout, the critically acclaimed Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse, the multi-award-winning, <clears throat> asterisk disclaimer, Metal Slug 3, and the most anticipated game of March 2021, Port Royale 3. <clears throat> Nothing more needs said about that. But you will get all these extra games from Sony um, whilst they're actually disabling another ability on the PlayStation Store. So if you have bought or rented, if, you, if, you're, if you're the kind of freaky person that buys and rents games from the PlayStation Store, you will lose that ability come August 31st. But don't worry, if you've bought 
or rented any movies or TV shows previously. Well, obviously, if you've rented them, the rent will run out. But if you've bought any of them previously, they'll be added to your library. You can still download them. But the feature will be removed completely as of August 31st. And again, that's just something that, that Sony's sort of just changing on the PlayStation Store, moving on with the times. Um, but yeah, I think the PlayStation Plus collection, not too bad, considering Xbox collection, <sighs> outstanding, kind of. And PlayStation Store update. All right, so news item number two, and back to some more PlayStation news after Microsoft blew us all away with their games for gold. And Sony has filed two patents that reveal a new approach to both VR and a return to first-person shooter domination on the PlayStation. Now, starting off, this one's going to be fun, and it's going to um, butter your parsnips, Paul. But a recent patent filed by Sony means that we may actually be using pieces of fruit and other sort of, let's say inanimate objects to play the next generation of VR. But in the pattern, we actually see Sony use examples of bananas and oranges as game controllers. Right. <laughs> now, in other words, forget your jewel cinch, you've just spent 60 quid on it, grab yourself a banana. <laughs> but in the actual pattern it said, now this is obviously, this is Sony's words, not mine. Sony actually said, it would be desirable if a user could use an inexpensive, simple, and non-electronic device as a video game peripheral. The present disclosure seeks to address or at least alleviate some of the above-identified problems. What's your thoughts on that? I know it's obviously quite comical, but, I mean, do you, do you like the direction that they're going in with that? I'm not going to lie, mate. I, I just can't get over the idea of having a banana sitting next to my sense. I actually have a controller stand, and it's it's like what I got from game... And it's like the the Fallout, you know, the 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 little guy from the Pit Boys, and he's he's like wearing a vault uniform, and he's holding my controller. I just couldn't imagine buying a second one to hold my apples. <laughs> That's called a football, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, yeah, what what I do like about it though is uh, they're obviously looking for ways to make progress VR and um, gaming, but without having to rely on consumers buying loads of new like add-ons and um equipment that might cost you know maybe 50 60 quid um so i i i can see the sentiment behind it however how many times are you going to be using you know your vr with uh, the banana and um i know what gamers are like you know I, I, you'd be i'd be lying to say that when I drink a cup of coffee, that cup of coffee sometimes doesn't sit there for two days because I've been uh, on a mad gaming sesh. So, how many how many mouldy fruit are we going to find under the tables of gaming setups? Well, it's not. Is just... this good for the environment? Well, the thing is, is this good for public health? The, well, well, the thing is, right? As as you might have guessed from the headline, right? Sony's answer to the problem was bananas in the pan. But it's not just fruit and moldy fruit that you can use for this, right? So the application actually describes it as a method that would work with any non-luminous passive object being held by a user. So it could be a mug, a pen, a glass, or, you know, anything really. Obviously, they use bananas and oranges, which I think is quite bizarre, but quite a cool sort of use for that. But I mean, um, I could I, I can mind seeing like videos on the internet of, um, you know, when young kids find inappropriate 
toys, let's say, that their parents have stacked in their cupboard. And I can just imagine a child trying to use <laughs> something like that to play a game. <laughs> that would make for some pretty good... Some... That is the next Sony band advert on YouTube. That will go viral on TikTok. I can honestly, unequivocally guarantee it. So don't worry, mate. We're not going to find lots of... Uh, Lots of dodgy fruits kicking about under the table. I think I actually think it's a it's a nice step in that direction. And being a massive fan of VR myself, you know, we all know that there was massive problems getting the the move controllers for the last VR. So this is quite this is a welcome move, I would say. Now, moving on, and as for the second paint, now this was unveiled early February to the best of my knowledge, but Sony is bringing back the back button mod attachment, but this time for the DualSense controller because the one made for the DualShock 4, that only came out in January of 2020, quite late in actually, is not compatible with the DualSense controller. So they're bringing out a new one, and thank Christ for that. Now Paul, me and you both picked up the, the DualShock 4 back button attachment, but quite a lot of people won't have known about it because it came out so late. The previous model has actually been made up of two large buttons and an OLED screen. But how that works is it clicks into the controller's headphone jack, and the OLED screen allows you to select what buttons on your controller you would like your triggers to be programmed to. According to the official PlayStation website, the back button attachment was designed for comfort and precision to get the edge on your favourite titles. Although it was originally designed for first-person shooters in mind, as advertised working well with games such as obviously Call of Duty Warzone, Overwatch, Apex Legends, the likes of that, a new controller accessory could also be a valuable asset for players with disabilities. That's actually quite a good point that you sort of bring across there because in the recent Mind the Gap video that I made um, on why you should buy the PlayStation 4 version of a game, disc version of a game, over the PlayStation 5 one, I specifically talk about the inability to use a DualShock 4 for your PlayStation 5 games. Now, I've spoke to you at length about this, but that there was a major, major um, reason why, and it's actually because players that have you know mobility issues with with their hands and such found the DualShock Four to be much more better for them to actually play games. So this is going to be welcome if it's going to allow them to be able to use the DualSense controller, which is a much larger controller. Um, or Sony can just let us use a DualShock Four. I mean, that would just be great, wouldn't it? Moving on to news item number three, and this is a good one. <laughs> A programmer has managed to reduce GTA 5's online load times by nearly 70%. To give you an idea as to why this matters, right? There was a recent Reddit poll undertaken last year which confirmed that half of players were waiting between 3 and 6 minutes for the game to load its online mode. Some players were waiting up to 10 minutes. Now, there are videos all over the internet about players, you know, just generally taking the mickey out of Rockstar for having this insane load screen. But a blog post that was written by a programmer using the handle, I'm, I'm going to say toast, so he's just, just a slice of toast, explains the reason for the long load times before going out on to cover the steps that he has taken or she has taken in order to implement a fix that reduces the load durations. And uh, Paul, you need you need to read this because this is an absolutely fantastic quote. This stuff is excellent. <laughs> you know, I had a look at this when Stephen forwarded it to me, and he forwarded it to me with GTA has been fixed by a slice of toast. And I like I read that and I knew it was clickbait, but I was like, I need to know more. I need to know how GTA five has been fixed by toast. And lo and behold, it is someone called Toast. But the, the really thing that really stands out to me is 70%. You know, that why has it taken someone, a, a fan of GTA 5, 
to implement this fix that reduces load times by 70%. Why hasn't Rockstar been able to do this? Well, it's actually quite interesting you should say that, but the, the, a quote from his website says that after taking a minute to load the common resources, so he, he went well in on this and, and went d- deep diving into the code. So after taking a minute to load the common resource used for both story and online modes, which is near on par with high-end PCs, GTA decides to max out a single core on my machine for four minutes and do nothing else. Is it disk usage? Nope. Is it network usage? There's a bit, but it drops basically to zero after a few seconds. And apart from the loading um, and rotating info banners, GPU usage, none. Memory usage, completely flat. So they would crack the joke. Is it mining crypto or something? But he then said it must be really bad code, and he was right. Now this is this is this just blows my mind the numbers here. But the blog goes deep into a programming uh, into programming behind the game's loading process and identifies that the core of the issue is a 10 meg JSON file with over 63,000 entries, and it describes every single item available that can be purchased online with the in-game currency. And <laughs> this is nuts. But basically, it currently runs a check after each entry in the list, which ends up being very time-intensive, obviously. To give you a rough number on, on, on the runs this entry tracks, it right? is an estimated 1,984,531,500 times. By implementing a few quick fixes, obviously, Toast is able to reduce the load times on his test computer from six minutes to under two minutes. So there's basically those 63,000 entries, and the person who wrote the code basically said that you need to check these 63,000 entries 63,000 times each against themselves so it was like 63,000 squared divided by like two like that was like the the equation he came up with it was like absolutely bananas number but that to me is just absolutely mental and yeah I mean obviously he's managed to find a fix or she's managed to find a fix um but Toasters obviously says that the the what I make Rockstar aware of it and it shouldn't take a dev you know even a day to solve but Paul, you've you've not really been a fan of GTA Five. You've never really played it. Have you ever been stampered by the loading screen of GTA Five? Do you know what I, I was um, like way back in the day? Um, but I don't remember it being that long. Like I don't remember it being as long as it is now. So I'm assuming there's been like you know countless updates on top of you know since the last time I played it. You know I, I haven't really played GTA Five since I'd probably say 2016 was the last last time I played it. But c- can we just take a second to appreciate? the fact that you were able to read that number out. My brain can't comprehend the number you just read out. I must admit, when I was reading that, I just sort of like went with it and hoped I didn't make a mistake. Luckily, I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> but yeah, so I I think um, that's that's very like a very, very positive change, considering how popular GTA Five still is. I mean, GTA Five went on to sell around 23 million copies in 2020 alone, which is staggering considering how old the game is launching in 2013 yeah it's mental that's it now spanned three console generations yeah it's 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 insane and going into the new generation of consoles with obviously games loading so quick on the new ssd processors being able to reduce load times on older games that just brings it forward into the the modern generation of gaming yeah and just just lastly on that and this is actually something news that came in just yesterday but gta 5 will be getting um, a remaster for obviously the next gen consoles but um, Take-Two Interactive and Rockstar have said that it won't just be a simple port so hopefully that adds some fun and extra new things to the game that we didn't have on the previous generation of consoles. So moving on to news item number four as I alluded to earlier with it, when it comes to PlayStation 5 updates 
the PlayStation 5 will get its much-needed M2 SSD expansion slot update coming, so you can now actually expand your internal PS5 game storage from this summer, Sony has said. Now, the internal slot is currently disabled, and if you do put an M2 drive in there, your console will just completely shut down. But Bloomberg sources say the firmware update will allow for an increase in the speed of the PS5's cooling fans. Obviously, they're worried that the, the system will get slightly hot. And the PS5 has an extremely fast, obviously, built-in SSD. As we all know, it is rapid quick. Um, so they need to make third-party drives only to be equally as fast in order for it to run the PS5 games. And they think that that's going to generate extra heat in their testing, obviously. So it'll run a wee bit quicker. But let's hope it stays a little bit quieter. We don't obviously want the console to get loud, but this is definitely a welcome one on this front. Um, but Paul, I mean, going back to Call of Duty, I think, uh, I think you can explain why this is definitely so important. Between the Call of Duty games I currently have installed on my internal storage, now, I do have the option, before I lead with this, to put one of those on my external drive. However, I really like the fast load times. So, currently I have Black Ops Cold War and Call of Duty Modern Warfare, or, you know, just the Warzone section of that game installed on my internal storage. Combined, that is over 300 gig of a 825 gig SSD that is over 300 gig. So that extra expansion of the internal memory will allow for bigger PlayStation 5 games because let's not be fooled, the next Call of Duty game, and if you're a Call of Duty fan, you will know the next Call of Duty game will be a PlayStation 5 title and it will be huge. There's no way to know that they will continue Warzone to the next generation of Call of Duty or they might even come out with a brand new Battle Royale, as we've seen with Warzone, compared to their Blackout Battle Royale. So, who knows how much internal storage we're going to need just for Call of Duty, especially if you do want to go back and play Warzone and Black Ops Cold War, although I don't know why you'd want to. <laughs> so, yes, that is extremely important. And also, if you are a content creator like me, you really, really need your console to be as quiet as possible, especially when you're running external microphones because you really can't be picking any of that stuff up uh, or even if you're just a streamer so it's really really good that they're taking their time on this stuff and to try and keep the console as as quiet as possible i agree 100 on that on that front and with that concludes the news this week and we will be back just after this short break with our mind the gap talking point And we are back with Mind the Gap's Talking Point. Now, in this part of the show, we'll discuss at length a topic that has sort of been on our minds, uh, a game or a news story. Um, in the future, we'll probably do play-along games or something akin to that, or just a, a really big story that definitely requires a lot more discussion and attention. And this week, we're going to be discussing, you know, the Switch, the potential Switch Pro, the sales of the PlayStation 5 and Xbox, because they have now been unveiled, and maybe touch on a little bit about if the market reflects how people actually want to play games. So, obviously, we'll have some new sales figures in from Sony and Xbox. It is reported that 4.2 million PlayStation 5 consoles were sold since November 12th, and just over 2.8 million Xbox Series X and S consoles were sold since Microsoft's next-gen systems launched on November 10th. Now, while it might seem like a good result for Sony, winning out, let's say, the console wars, it doesn't seem as clear-cut as we'd first sort of imagined. The PS4 managed to reach 4.2 million sales without any help from the Japanese market when it launched in November 2013, as it didn't arrive in Japan until Q1 2014. 
The PS5, meanwhile, has launched globally this time round, which I think is quite interesting. I think um, the other thing as well you've got to remember, and this sort of alludes to the next point that we're going to make, is this is a year that the next-gen consoles have been launched in circumstances that have never been seen before in the games industry. So although, be it, alluding back to the, the fun fact that I, I, I launched a show with, this is the year that has spawned so much love and need and demand for gaming, yet the sales figures haven't beat, you know, the, the PlayStation 4. So why is that? Ampler analysis predicts that were it not for the pandemic, the PS5 could have achieved over 5 million units sold, and the company is on track to sell between 7.5 million and 8 million PS5 consoles by the end of March. The firm notes that Microsoft will be disappointed with the total sales figures for the Xbox Series X and the Series S, and its new consoles launched three times the number of the markets as the Xbox One back in 2013. Still, Amper believes that the product availability has also undermined the Xbox Series X sales potential. I actually find that quite interesting um, on two sort of two sort of counts, right? The PlayStation 5 has also been sort of undermined by um, its availability. And obviously so has so has the Xbox. But the thing as well is we've also got to remember, and this will kind of touch on um, how people prefer to play, but Microsoft are leaning very, very heavily on their xCloud and Game Pass services, which you can use and play these games on PC. So there might not be as much of a need, obviously, to play these games on the latest consoles, because if you've already got like a, a real high-end PC, which I don't, um, you, you might not actually need an Xbox. And, I mean, I think we should dig out eventually. Um, I don't actually have the notes to hand, but we should probably dig out um, the, the Game Pass sales revenue but I think on that, I mean, I I don't know if Xbox is actually doing that bad. I don't think this is as clear-cut as it seems. Sony's shifting more consoles, but Sony needs to sell their games, their first-party games, whereas Microsoft have got all the PC gamers out there. I mean, maybe, maybe they don't need to sell as many Xboxes. I think for Microsoft, Xbox is kind of like pocket money to them, really, whereas Sony, that is their primary gaming output. So... They they really need to shift the units. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're definitely definitely right on on that point. It's it's a it's a totally different way of of approaching the market that Sony and Microsoft are sort of taking this time round. But I mean, Sony and Microsoft, the Xbox, and the PlayStation, two really good consoles. I don't care what anyone says. Both of them have done absolutely fantastic on their launch in terms of people want to buy them. But Let's say the under that's not the underdog. It's it's clearly dominating. But Ampere also touches on the success of the of the Nintendo Switch this year as well, which has managed to outperform. This is mental. It's managed to outperform the Wii's best annual sales record, and the Switch has sold twenty six point three million units in twenty twenty, which is quite mental. But considering GTA Five has, has sold like twenty three million copies, um, but that has beaten Wii's twenty four and a half million total. That's absolutely mental. I just think, like, when it comes to Nintendo, there's something about Nintendo that just touches people's hearts. Like, Nintendo smash it out of the park every single time. Like, everything they make, such high, like, pull towards it. Mm. Like, any game, any, like, you know, like, you've got, like, Pokemon out there. You've got, like, Animal Crossing. Like, there's Cooking Mama. There's, like, so much Mario. There's so much stuff 
that pulls people towards Nintendo. And I kind of believe that Nintendo's that console for all ages because it's got something for everybody. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Now, this is something I kind of want to talk about in a different episode, but apart from Nintendo and their first-party titles that they basically lean on very heavily, obviously, um, Sony has got a bigger back catalogue of first-party titles that they should have taken the Nintendo approach to gaming. But, I mean, that's a topic for a different day. And to give you a, like a sort of like bigger picture, and it, it clearly hits home what you've just said there in terms of you know all the games that the Nintendo obviously used to bring people on. The Switch is sitting on 80 million units sold, and the Wii's lifetime sales was only 100, I say only 101. But that's, that is crazy. And the Nintendo DS, which is the best-selling handheld, and only second to the PS2, which are 154 million units, and, you know, now the, the Switch is predicted to see an update mid-cycle. I mean, people are calling it the Switch Pro. I think it's more of a, a Switch XL, considering we had, you know, the the, the, the Nintendo Switch, what was it, Lite um, before then. Yeah, so I actually think this is more of an XL. I don't think a Pro model is actually... I don't think that's Nintendo's thing. Um, but people are calling it that. And I mean, for years we've been getting these reports and it would obviously add a little bit of extra power or features that might appear to, to core gamers. Um, but what it, what it appears to actually add that we've seen in a latest report from Bloomberg um, is that the new model will actually feature a larger screen, hence why I, I think it'll be more of an XL. It'll be an OLED touchscreen, obviously. Um, on a device, it'll be seven inches in diameter, which is a good size. Um, and it would be 720p resolution now, that's not a bad thing on the handheld mode because 720p resolution, when it's that like far from your face, like it'll be like retina display in terms of how many pixels are actually on there. Um, and if you then connect it to your dock, um, you can then output 4K to your TV, which is fantastic. And the normal Switch is a 6.2-inch screen and the Switch Lite is a 5.5-inch screen. So, I mean, that's absolutely... I think this is a great thing that they could do and it's rumoured to be able to be shipped just in time for Christmas in 2021. But, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but obviously I think this adds to like the wider sort of the wider sort of feel and remit and kind of gets to the, to the crux of kind of what, what I wanted to discuss. But the Switch has clearly blown it out of the park and is doing fantastic. And if this is true, they're going to sell a boatload. This may be the Switch that I actually buy. I've not bought a Switch yet, but this may be a Switch I could actually go and buy because I'll think, you know, if I got a 4K TV, I've got a 2K monitor, things like that, I would actually, that, that appeals to me a lot. And there's loads of games on the Switch that I think are, you know, games that attract me. But I also think of the way that I prefer to play games. And I, apart from the PlayStation, which is sitting home, you know that I love my PlayStation Vita. And I play that when I'm out and about all the time. And the thing that means that I, I used to have an Xbox One alongside my PlayStation 4. But I got rid of that, obviously, when I got the PlayStation 5. And I don't feel like I need to get an Xbox because if I wanted to play Microsoft's next games, like Halo, for example, I could just stream that game on xCloud when it comes. I'll just get Game Pass for a couple months. So I think, like, I mean, in terms of the way the gaming's going, like, is the numbers that we are seeing just basically based on the way that people like to play games? Really? I mean, to be fair, like, everyone that I know personally and everyone that I've spoke to has been looking for a PlayStation 5. And that that even includes, like, I've got friends who have been diehard Xbox fans for years, and they have been staying up until 3 a.m. trying to get a PlayStation 5. And that's just not something I've ever seen before. Is that, 
Yeah, well, tell me about it. Um, that's just not something I've ever seen before because I remember when the PlayStation 4 came out, there, there was a very much a divide. And even with the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, there was always this idea of the console wars. But I just, I just kind of feel like, you know, since PC gaming has, has become such a big thing nowadays, I feel like a lot of Xbox players have kind of went, well, why don't I invest in that? And still get, you know, the best of both worlds experience, still get all my Xbox stuff and the, you know, the, the capabilities of playing on PCs with higher frame rates uh, and all the good stuff that comes with powerful gaming PCs. And the other thing to bear in mind as well is the rise of mobile gaming and the way that that's taken the industry by storm. And I think developers have kind of realized, oh, wow, people do actually want to play games on the go. So there's a lot more emphasis put into the handheld markets and that's where the switch has completely like smashed that market i would say and i think this is a point that you've you've made to me in the past i think sony have really really like taken a back foot on that and i i think they could have done so much more with the via because that console there like you said you know you've got your remote play options and stuff why isn't that available on playstation 5 i don't understand but also like people are taking like their phones and things to work they are taking, you know, the, the DualShock 4 uh, to work, to connect with their Bluetooth. Like, Call of Duty Mobile, you've got PUBG, all have gamepad support. Like, people want to play on the go. So I, I'd quite like to see PlayStation come up with a solution for that other than just, yeah, you can use our controllers. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm in total agreement. I mean, I was actually using remote play on my phone um, for, like, through my PlayStation 5 um, for to play, um, you know, the Borderlands game that I have been playing this week when I was sort of out and about, you know, um, and you can run it quite well off of mobile data, which is really quite good. Um, it was stable enough and it's a simple game where you're just, you know, picking conversations and things like that. But it, it wouldn't really work for, you know, you know, like first-person shooter games. And I think you're absolutely right because, like, the Switch, obviously, you can get these first-party titles, these big games to play really good games on the go. And the Vita gave you that as well. Some absolutely brilliant games to play on the go. Killzone Mercenaries was an outstanding first-person shooter with amazing replayability options. And a Vita 2 would have been great. And, you know, Nintendo's managed to just take sheer dominance of that market. But the fact, obviously, the Switch has that feature, you know, being able to switch, quote-unquote, between a handheld console and a home console and still take the best bits of the Wii... You know, I mean, let's be serious. Nintendo have absolutely, they've just nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I definitely agree with you on that front. Sony need to, I, I, I think, and Sony's always say that, you know, we're not going back to handheld. I really think they need to revisit it because the way that people are playing games is changing. And if Nintendo manages to strike a deal, we've also got to remember that Sony and Microsoft have struck a deal when it comes to cloud gaming and sort of like cross-play and things like that. So imagine if Sony was able to strike a deal with Microsoft to have xCloud on one of their, their portable consoles, you know, and maybe Microsoft takes a cut of the sales of that or something akin to that. Um, imagine you'd be able to play your, you know, your PlayStation 5 through remote play, you're able to get your that console's games obviously on the go, and you're also able to stream xCloud, which that would be amazing. I mean, it would save you carrying, you know, like a controller along, alongside your phone. But, I mean, to put it into perspective, like the Vita, for example, had a battery life of nearly seven hours and the Switch has got a battery life of like, what, three hours if you're lucky? So, I mean, something like that, like a dedicated gaming device, there's clearly a demand for it. 
people clearly loved it and it can do some absolutely fantastic things and I think that Sony has the potential to even bring the, some of their older titles and remaster them specifically for that console and things like that that you know if there's any if there's any company that can do it it's Sony and I think like you know the way that people are, are going and playing games these days I think definitely it's, it's something that they need to revisit and there needs to be more competition in that market but yeah I think looking at the sales numbers like overall PlayStation 5 nailed it Xbox I think even if it's a lower figure, I think Microsoft have kind of nailed it in their own kind of way. And um, as far as I know, that Game Pass, you know, subscriptions are up really high, especially among people on PC. And mate, let's be serious, Nintendo have absolutely nailed it as well. There's just there's just no getting around it. It's the we all over again. I just think right now, like we're in a, a very, very good place for gaming. I, I've never really felt so like overwhelmed by choice and availability and just actually sheer quality that's out there Uh, and it's actually nice to see like for me uh, something that has been a big part of my life since just when then i can remember um has now you know really really grabbed like everyone's attention and you know going back to what i said earlier on about you know there being more gamers than ever it's really really nice to see that you know it has really, really, really taken hold and there is now so many ways to game and that it's now a big part of people's lives and it's really making a massive positive change, especially after the year that we've just had. Yeah, I, may, I 100% agree with you. And I, I just kind of want to finish off and I think this is the last thing I'll add, that another thing that I think in Microsoft's favour is the price point of both of their consoles. If you can't afford to play a high-end, like buy a high-end PC and you want to have access to Game Pass... I mean, their consoles are such a ridiculously good price for what you get. I mean, I think I think in time, everyone who owns a PlayStation will eventually also buy an Xbox purely for Game Pass because the games that will get added, but the fact that they've bought studios like Bethesda and such, I think some of the games that are going to be coming out on that and the fact that you also get EA Play on there, you get all your FIFAs, your Maddens and things like that, um, yeah, I I do think in time, I think where the PlayStation 3 played catch-up to the Xbox 360, I do think that the Xbox Series X and Series S will play catch-up and probably catch the PlayStation 5 in the longer term that we see. Um, and I don't think it's a console battle or a console war this time around. I do just think it's, it's basically gamers that just love to game. And it's, as you say, that wealth of choice and just the sheer quality of that choice as well but we'll not go back and mention the um the, the, the just the sheer class that is games for gold for march 2021 um clearly blown playstation plus especially out the, the critically acclaimed apocalyptic llama something or other <laughs> that i can't quite remember it was that critically acclaimed that the title just just eludes you as you're halfway through just it blew me away <laughs> it blew me away Mate, and, and Although, it blows away. It's a game that I mean, I'd probably play. By the way, that's a game that I would love to try. That's a game that I'd love it's to try. The last time it was like, that's it, that's it. I mean, Goat Simulator and then Apocalypse Llamas. What, what else is there? Ah, else I is love there? Goat Simulator. Yeah. But I think I think just to just to summarize, I think on that, um the sort of whole conversation there, we've got great games, we've got great platforms, we've got so much choice within those platforms. The things that the that PlayStation offer, the things that Microsoft offer, and of course, Nintendo offer so much as well. 
that, you know, however you like to play games and touching again a little bit on the accessibility things that we mentioned in the news as well. Microsoft have got a dedicated accessibility controller and things, you know. There's so many things that, that, that attract people to, to these different consoles, but I think in time, and if you have the resources, people won't edge towards PC, especially with the graphics cards issues that's going on. They'll probably just edge towards buying a, a, an Xbox console alongside their PlayStation console or vice versa. I, I, I genuinely believe that these consoles have cemented the fact that console gaming is here and it's here to stay for the long run. And I am so thankful because Google Stadia has just been such a disappointment. But I think again, that's just another topic for another day. But but yeah, I, I, I would say I would say I'm very excited with the outlook. And I think looking at the numbers overall, I mean brilliant. Hats off to the companies have done fantastic. Okay, and that's all we have time for today. Um, so that's it for today's show. Don't forget, you can find the show notes of this episode on after12media.com. That is A-F-T-E-R-1-2-media.com. And you can find Mind the Gap on all the social media. Now, lastly, please remember to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. It really does help us out a lot and we really appreciate your help for us to reach new gamers out there. And remember to check out the Mind the Gap YouTube channel. Stephen has taken the helm on this and has made some fantastic content on there. So if you're unsure what the difference between buying a PlayStation 5 and 4 game is, head on over there to check that out. Again, you can find the link to that on after12media.com. But apart from that, until the next episode, you're the one who must mind the gap between now and then. See you soon, guys. Take care.